saving money on plant protection supplies. Now at Menards. Defend your garden with Triazicide Insect Killer. Its fast-acting formula protects lawns, vegetables, and many other plants. It kills more than 260 insects by contact, above and below ground. Choose from ready-to-spray, concentrate, or granular. Saving money on Triazicide Insect Killer at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com. For all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. Oh, am I starting? <laughs> well, that's Are you recording? recording now, yeah. So we'll just throw this at the beginning. <laughs> Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 238 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. Hi, Adam. Hello. If people think we normally fly by the seat of our pants in episodes, <laughs> wait till you figure out this episode. <laughs> so Jill's going to ALA, like, imminently. But yes, this comes out uh, Thursday, so I will be um, a day later, Friday. I'm headed out Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're recording this on Wednesday at 11. We officially <laughs> decided what we were going to talk about like seven minutes ago, I think. Um, so. That's being generous. That's being generous. <laughs> so here's what we're, we're going to do. Um, two things. One, ALA, American Library Association Annual Conference that Jill is attending, is in New Orleans. So we're going to give you a few New Orleans book recommendations. And then, because frankly, there aren't that many of them, uh, we are going to go into, I saw this article on Book Riot that was one of the writer's grandmother's book rules, like rules to live by, but they're bookish. And I was like, I'm going to ask all of our coworkers the same type of a thing. And I asked them yesterday via email and holy crap, we are a neurotic bunch. Um, I'm going to make a blog for for Overdrive about all of everyone else's, but we're just going to go through some of our own book rules because those are fun. We are. So I think people will enjoy the conversation. I hope. However, um, before we get into it, yeah, how did they I, find us, Adam? Oh, good job. Uh, so you can go to, profes- I'm just going to be real simple. Go to professionalbooknerds.com. And if you go to our website, you will see not only a bunch of great stuff about our podcast, but you'll see our Twitter and our Instagram, which is at ProBookNerds. You will find the link to email us professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com and you will find a link to our uh, Viber reading community which is where we talk to our listeners all day long about books all sorts of fun stuff there if you haven't joined yet you are missing out because not only are you getting good book recommendations but we're giving out copies of signed books that we get from our authors so what are you waiting for um by the way, because you're going to New Orleans, I've spent a lot of time trying to think of a way to put the Laissez Les Bon Temps Roulet as a book or as a title to this episode. But I want it to be like let the good books roll, but it that doesn't it doesn't flow off the tongue when, when you do the Google Translate. So that's just what's been going on in my head. I couldn't think of what we should talk about for several days, but I've been trying to think of a name of this episode for longer than that. Good job, me. Okay. So we found some lists of books set in New Orleans, and we're just going to kind of grab a couple to talk about. So you can start. Thanks, Adam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, for me, um, it's actually, you know, when you search for these lists, um, one that 
I'm having space issues. One that consistently pops up is Interview with the Vampire by Anne Rice. Um, of course, about Lestat, the vampire. Yes. Um, but another one that is also by Anne Rice is her Mayfair Witches series, which is actually my favorite. I mean, I was like way into Anne Rice when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Not a kid. I was in high school. But <laughs> Seven-year-old Jill reading Interview with the actually, Vampire. Actually, I may have been reading... I think I may have read... I read The Witching Hour, um, which is the first in the Mayfair Witches series. I think I read that in middle school. So I might have been reading Anne Rice <laughs> in middle school. Amazing. Because I remember I was at summer camp reading it, and it was a church camp, and I was like, awkward. But <laughs> <laughs> Nice. My Anne Rice books. So um, so you all know Interview with the Vampire, but you may not know her witch series, um, which is about a um, neurosurgeon who her strange mother um, dies in New Orleans and so she goes um, down there to kind of visit with the family and finds out oh she's a witch and so it's just this big family saga about witches and they've been in our you know this country for generations and it goes way back like old southern family um so both of those the interview with the vampire series and then the Mayfair witches New Orleans and no. Rice Nolens. Nolens. In Nolens. That's right. Uh, my first one, I have A Confederacy of Dunces by James Kennedy Toole. I think I've discussed. There's, I, mean, I feel like we've discussed every book either of us has ever read in this podcast at some point over our 200 plus episodes. Uh, Confederacy of Dunces is one of the American classics of comedy. The interesting story behind it is that John Kennedy Toole wrote it um, while he was alive, it got absolutely no recognition, no attention from any publisher. He tragically ended up committing suicide, and then his parents some, uh, got it post, uh, got it published after his death. A word I still can't say uh, posthumously, I think. And uh, it went on to win a ton of awards. And it's the story of Ignatius J. Riley, who is just. The main character is so unlikable. He's uh, kind of a giant jerk. He's like Don Quixote of the French Quarter. Um, but it's funny. It is all about the like inner workings of New Orleans. Um, it's just very like a lot of zany adventures. You would, it's it's good stuff. Highly recommend it. Confederacy of Dunces. Um, I I only have a few, but so we can go back and forth. That's fine. Um, I have The Awakening by Kate uh, Chopin. I think it's pronounced the same way. I think it's Chopin. Okay. Um, So first published in 1899, The Awakening was one of those books that um, is a classic now, but at the time, readers were just shocked that, you know, it um, portrayed this uh, honest portrayal of a woman in – stifling marriage she's fair and happy and she seeks stuff outside the marriage and it was just at the time we came out what victorians are all uh-huh. going cray cray so um but it is i know it has come up i think in some of our other um episodes when we talk about you know feminism and and women books centered around strong women um but this is definitely one of those books that has been around for a very long time so if you haven't read it yet definitely do that i thought of one actually last night 
and I confirmed that it was actually in the books as well, but um, the comics Preacher. So if you have never read Preacher or watched the show on AMC of the same name, it is like over-the-top violent for a comic, but it's um, hilarious. The storylines are wonderful. Um, it's all about this preacher who's uh, obtains this ability called Genesis, which is basically like the voice of God. He can make people do whatever he wants, but it ultimately leads to God disappearing and no one knowing where to find him. Kind Not unlike the movie Dogma. Um, and so... A lot they it, it the comics uh, the issues turn very much into a like road trip type of a comic uh, and so a lot of the of the a lot of the issues are set in New Orleans um, specifically the Dixie Fried uh, story arc which is issues like twenty seven through thirty three so um, it's really good if you haven't checked it out if you're a fan of comics or graphic novels definitely check it out. Uh, the show is also wonderful. I think its third season is coming back to AMC. My wife and I watch it quite often. Um, but just as a heads up, it is very like over the top violent, like um, like Kill Bill level violence and mm-hmm. like blood and all that kind of stuff. So, but it's really good. I have Hot Blooded by Lisa Jackson, um, which is about um, a prostitute is found in a French Quarter hotel and in a rambling plantation house on the sultry shores of a lake, a popular late night radio host receives a threatening crane call and then she keeps getting more and then another prostitute is found (laughs) and the calls consist. Um, Lisa Jackson is a suspense and thriller novel. She was one of our very early interviews I just oh, looked yeah. it up. Uh-huh. Episode sixteen. Wow. Yeah. I'll say I know I knew I had interviewed her. It was way back. Way back in the ago. day. Episode sixteen. Wow. <laughs> so that is Hot Blooded by Lisa Jackson. Hey, speaking of people that we've talked that we've interviewed a way long time ago, uh Voodoo Season by Jewel Parker Rhodes. Do you want to look up what episode number that was while I, I talk about this? Okay. So Voodoo Season, it's a part of a trilogy, but it can be read on its own. Um, Marie Levant is a physician who just moved to New Orleans to practice medicine, and upon arriving there, she learns that she's the great-great-granddaughter of a famed voodoo priestess. Um, and you know, it's very mystical and murderous, and Jewel Parker Rhodes writes lots of children's books. This is not a children's book, just FYI. And she was episode... 22. 22. Holy cow. She's also wonderful. I think I mentioned this in the past, but... Like, I've seen her other places a long time after I interviewed her, and like she like stops and like gave me a hug, and she's she's cool. She's a really good person. So. I don't know. Like I I say this as obviously people who have been doing this podcast for what two and a half years. The fact that we're over two hundred episodes still kind of it's bonkers. <laughs> we even had a colleague tell us us last year, right? Mm-hmm. He didn't realize we had quite that many. Yeah. Which hey, colleagues, if you're listening, <laughs> the number is in the title. I don't think he listened. <laughs> Just probably. Rude. I actually do love, I jokingly, I always say, I'm like, oh, wait, you don't listen to us? Come on. But like, I, and it is fun when like a coworker will come up and be like, hey, I'm so sorry. I don't really listen to podcasts. And I'm like, I'm going to stop you right there. Our podcast is about book recommendations. If you work here, you probably don't need book recommendations from us because you can just get them from literally like you turn to the person next to you be like, what book are you reading? So. Accurate. Anyway. Um, 
Okay. Is it me? Oh, no, it's you. It's you. It is me. I have The Pelican Brief by John Grisham. This is a classic John Grisham, you guys. Mm-hmm. And I love me some John Grisham. So um, this is one of those books that, you know, John Grisham, a lot of his stuff is, is takes place in the South. In this instance, it's partly in D.C. and then partly in New Orleans. Um, when a young uh, law student is working on a legal brief and ends up getting into some trouble with scary people. Ne'er do wells. <laughs> Ne'er do wells. Um, this was that movie with uh, Julia Roberts, like way back in the day. Good stuff. This is one of the few Julia Roberts movies I like. <laughs> I'm just gonna say it. I don't like Julia Roberts. <laughs> Oh, that's amazing to Julia me. Roberts, I don't know why. I can tell you why really quickly. Her and Tom Cruise, I don't like them as actors because they just play themselves in movies. And I don't like how the way they play. Jeff Goldblum now just plays himself, but he's like this jazz version of a human being. So he, I enjoy. But those two, I'm just like, oh, wait, let me guess. Julia Roberts, you're going to be like a warm, inviting person with a bright smile and an annoying laugh in this movie? Lay it on she me. She doesn't do that in all of her movies. Uh, most of her movies. I also wow. haven't seen most of her movies because I don't like her as an actress. So I don't have much of a leg to stand on here, but I don't like her. There it is. I said it, guys. Hot take. Do you have any more? I have one more. Okay. A Streetcar Named Desire by Tennessee Williams. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Technically a play, but it is available on Overdrive. I was checking it while you were talking. So uh, if you have never read A Streetcar Named Desire by Tennessee Williams, you should. It's wonderful. Um, but, I mean, it's been made into movies. Stella! <laughs> Stella! Um, it's so good. It is good. So go go borrow it and then go watch it. Mm. Um, and apparently, I did not know this, but it was – so it's named after the New Orleans streetcars. But then there is an article in The New Yorker called Tennessee Williams with Air Conditioning by Mallory Ortberg, which I guess is a phenomenal – She is – phenomenal write-up yes so okay those are some new orleans book recommendations for you guys uh and now what we're gonna do fun fact just to clarify i wanted to make sure um mallory ortberg actually goes by daniel now so okay just as a good heads up good heads up so if you look for mallory ortberg it's he is now daniel yes okay so here are some some examples of roles and things that we're going to talk about Again, I did not realize how neurotic our company is. And I mean, I am neurotic as well. But man, some of the rules I got, I'm not going to call out anybody. I would never do that. But uh, we're going to talk about some things. People have a lot of strong feelings on the treatment of books, uh, whether or not to loan them out to people and how you loan them out, sorting bookshelves, if you're going to quit a book or not, how and when, uh, you know, traveling with a book. Recommend giving recommendations to people. So we're just going to maybe talk about some of our rules. So first things first, one that we are in agreement with. Jill, what are your thoughts on the way people treat books? Do you treat them as like holier than thou or how do you? Well, I'm having paper flowers at my wedding. So (laughs) I get what you're doing here. Paper flowers made from books. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, I, I feel, you know, no, I do not treat books (laughs) like holy artifacts of Mm -hmm. any kind. I think the story resonates outside of the actual physical book. Uh And so 
no. You know, I I will dog ear pages. <laughs> oh, 100. Okay, guys. In case you didn't hear that, I will dog ear pages. I just I, realized I'm like whispering and I don't know if it's going to come across. <laughs> yeah, no, I dog ear pages. I write in the margins. I sometimes, if I see a quote and I know I'm not going to reread the book, but I want to remember that quote, I'll just highlight the whole quote or I'll rip out a page. I don't care. I'll do it. It's my book. Mm-hmm. I like, I think of books like I think of like my body. Like when I, I've always tattoos and everyone's like, oh, my body's a temple. No, my body's a canvas. This bu- books, if you buy like a first edition copy of, you know, um, Great Expectations, to me, that's not a book. That's a piece of art. And yes, you're going to put it on display and you're not going to open it. But when it comes to like cracking spines or like throwing books around or damaging them, it's my book. Don't tell me what to do with my book. Yeah, I uh, I break spines on books. Yeah, I currently have a book at home that um, I didn't have a bookmark and I didn't dog ear the page, and so it's just laying flat out yeah. open. <laughs> and anybody who is sitting, like anyone who says it's so insulting to authors, said, "Shut up! I gave the author <laughs> my money. You're wrong. I gave the author money for that book." You know what? I say this as an author with a published book. I just want my books to be read and. Yeah. That I mean, so do what you want to do. You know, if you're reading the book, whatever. Hey, guess what, guys? If you grab Jill's book off my bookshelf, you know what you'll see? A cracked spine and dog-eared pages and notes in the margins. And you know what that shows? It shows love. you really have notes in the margins? I think I did, yeah. Because I was just like, oh, man, Jill, I like this part. (laughs) Like, I meant, like, the things I wanted to tell you about. Oh, because, yeah, because I was, because I didn't, I interviewed you for your book. So I, like, wanted to That's right, you did. Um, To me, that shows love of a book, not the other way around. So, that one I knew. We talked about it ahead of time. We did. Agreement. Um, so what are your thoughts on giving, loaning out books to other people? Oh, I I don't like doing it because I've lost books that way. Mm-hmm. Like, I I once loaned out a signed copy of a, a poetry book, and then the guy and I broke up, and I've never gotten it back. So mm. <laughs> I don't really like doing it. Um that was a bizarre circumstance. Like, to friends, like, I know that I will get the book. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, friends that, um, yeah, that's different. And I've definitely loaned it out. But certain books I won't because I have signed copies and those don't get line- loaned out anymore. But after that, if it's just yeah a whatever copy, I sometimes just give books to people. Mm-hmm. If, if I've read it once and I'm like, here, take this book, you'll get better use out of it That's than I will. how I consider loaning books out to Correct. me. In my mind, it's just I'm giving them the books. Actually, um, if you go, if anyone, after you guys listen to this, if you go listen to the Reading Glasses podcast for my friends, um, Mallory and Bria. Mallory has a whole thing about, like, she like, literally has an actual library where, like, she has, mm-hmm. like, a card catalog where people sign stuff out. Um, I'm the opposite. Like, I have a bunch of books that I, I won't give out. Just, like, I have, you know, like, us sp- uh, like special versions of the Harry Potter books or, like, we have all these leatherbound classic books that I mean, we got them from like Barnes and Noble for like twenty five bucks, but they're just really pretty to look at. They are very those pretty. ones I don't loan out because also I, I know for a fact that I don't have a friend who's going to be like, "Hey, I want to read that horror anthology you have." They're just probably going to look at it and say it looks nice. But if I give someone a book, it's me telling them it's like, "Oh, you said you meant you mentioned liking this book, so here, just if you get it back to me, you get it back to me." Right. Um, because I I also know that I'll just buy more copies. <laughs> Right. Yeah. No. There's definitely books where I, I'm not lending it. I'm just yeah. being like, just take it. So it's I know. I know a lot of people. Like we got some people that we work with that said like, I'll loan out 
my books, but I'll only learn out the paperback versions or things like that. For me, it's like if I've read the book and I've experienced it and someone else is interested in it, if they get it back to me, they get it back to me. That also is because our bookshelves are so overcrowded and flowing that sometimes it's nice to free up space. Yeah. Um, along those lines, what? how do you feel about recommending books to people? Like, So when it comes to recommending books, um, so lately I've actually, within the past month, had two different people ask me for beach reads. Um. You know, I'm like, well, what does that mean to that person? And so I, right. I will recommend books, but I will recommend a wide variety of books based on what I know about that person. Mm-hmm. Um, whether I think, you know, because everyone decides something like beach reads that everyone has their own definition of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I mean, I, I recommend books to people. I guess I'm not sure what the rule is with regards to this. Yeah, I see to me. You and I are in a unique situation because we spend several hours a week talking to each other and giving out book recommendations. I think it's different when it's a passive version where it's like we're putting it on a podcast. But also all my friends know that I we have this podcast. And so sometimes they will ask me for recommendations. If someone asks me for a recommendation, I will try to provide them with one. I will I will very very rarely go up to someone else and be like, "You need to read this book." And like, oh, you know what I mean? Like I'm never going to I don't do that. Unless it's something where I know for a fact that, like, like Andrea and Christina are two of my closest friends here at work, and if I get a book that I read, I'm like, this is a Christina book. I'll go over and I'll give her the copy, and much like when I talk about lending books, I'll be like, I'm not telling you to read this and tell me about it in two weeks. If I think you will like this, put it on your bookshelf. All right, I guess that is true. I guess there is the, the group of us who've all been on the podcast, and we do the the mystery or thriller or suspense mm-hmm. we will do that with each other yeah if one of us has read a book or is aware of a book coming out um we will let the others know because um, we were all passing around the same arc of of an uh, a couple <laughs> copy of an arc among about the four of us i think because we all know that's something we read so i guess i do that mm-hmm. if people ask me um yeah i recommend books yeah i very rarely will just without context recommend a book to people because i feel like it's very like smarmy like it's very i think it's because everyone i think what happens i I hate when people come to me like adam you have to read this book i don't like people say have to if you say you have to listen to this song okay it's a three minute part of my life but if you're like adam you have to read this 500 page nonfiction memoir like okay you're taking up hours of my life don't tell me i have to don't don't do that yeah i don't i don't even think it's that i think it's that you know everyone reads the books they read for different reasons you know and so your reason for liking that book probably not going to be my reason for liking that book and so that's why when it comes to recommending books i try to give a very wide variety because when they say i'm looking for a beach read i'm not entirely sure what that means to them Mm -hmm. so i'm like oh this is a page turner or this is like really light and you don't have to think too much about it or this is ya so you'll get through it quickly and again it's not too deep you don't have to overthink things which is i think what usually people mean when they say beach read or whatever so i don't know that's a really complicated question yeah i i love the idea of Give me a beach read and just being a jerk and giving them like House of Leaves and being like any book can be a book a beach read if you read it on the beach. <laughs> I mean, that, well, that's the thing though. When you say you're looking for a beach read, what 
exactly does that mean? Yeah. Because my definition is going to be different than your definition. Yeah. Um, and I think it's because reading habits are very personal or like reading genres or what type of books you read. Everyone's going to read different stuff and it's hard, mm-hmm. um, which is where, you know, when someone's like, I'm looking for um, a, a read alike, like I read this book yeah. and I want something like it you know librarians we sort of dig in are like well what did you like about it right what what element are you trying to recreate with your next reading experience Mm -hmm. which is why i don't tend to just like recommend books because i don't know what they're looking for yeah that's like a really long answer that's okay i think it's a good answer (laughs) also the idea of beach reads the more i'm thinking about it like i can't tell you last time i read a book on a beach (laughs) it's funny how that's so widely used as a I know. They're just meaning, yeah. you know. I, know. I know what they mean. It just makes me... Just but again, I read Anna Karenina on the summer one day for like one year for fun. So I'm not exactly... For fun. I did. I read Anna Karenina. It was when she had it on Oprah. When it was the Oprah Book Club, it was Anna Karenina. Oh, I've read it. I just the idea... And then I later like, read it in college. And so... <laughs> I just like for fun. Like, I read it for a laugh. I read Anna Karenina. I was like, oh, all right. Anna Karenina is the Oprah book. I'm going to go read it. I would like go out in the hammock. Oh, it's a good book. I just that was my summer one year. I read Macbeth for fun. I mean, my (laughs) I I read The Fault in Our Stars because I wanted to have a nice chuckle. Like, no, I it's just a funny way to just to say it. I read Anna Karenina for fun. (laughs) I know what you mean. It just made me laugh. That was my summer read one year. So was House of Leaves. Like these are the books I read in summer. (laughs) Okay, so I mentioned like no collecting a book and putting it on bookshelves. Do you have, I know a lot of people have strong takes on this. Hilariously, I don't. Do you have a specific way that your bookshelf has to be set up? When I lived alone, I did. And then when two librarians move in together and combine books. Oh, yeah. That all went to hell. I do have, before I had it divided into fiction and nonfiction, I separated those. And then they were alphabetized by author and then within each thing. Um, And then when within author, they were alphabetized by title oh okay i understand so like your so, stephen like, king so books. my atwood my at margaret atwood books all showed up at the front because i think that's my first day and then within that they were alphabetized by I understand yeah alphabetical order by title um and then the same with the nonfiction, except for my allison weir books which are all the tudor ones and um organized chronologically within the tudor history <laughs> this is some good OCD. I love this. This is good stuff. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's how I would have those organized. Then we moved in together. <laughs> and we're both librarians, and we both get a ton of advanced reader copies. And he had a ton of books, and I had a ton of books. And it was literally wherever I could fit books mm-hmm. at this point. Um, I do have one shelf reserved for all of my signed copies and my favorite books mm-hmm. you know what i mean the books that i i want separated from the rest because everything else is just yeah shoved wherever we could find room and still is shoved wherever we can find yeah. room um so ours above first things first of all else my wife is basically a amateur interior designer so our books are categorized in the way alex thinks they look nice um sure. as long as you can find them yeah but we Somebody brought something up yesterday that I thought was absurd, but then I realized it's kind of true for us, too. Uh, I won't, again, I won't call them out, but somebody said that if they purchase a specific series of books, if they purchase the first one as a paperback, all of them have to be paperbacks. I do that, too. Or, or I try to. Yeah, exactly. And at first, I was like, that's kind of crazy. But then I thought about it, like, 
my Neil Gaiman books are all purchased from Barnes and Noble, and they are all the same style. So when you put them all next to each other, they do look very nice. Um, so I think ours are all like there's no alphabetical or anything, but she puts them. The author, all the books are together by the author, and because we do buy them in the same version, they all look very nice together. Um, and then we have two. Um, all of our leather-bound ones are always together just because, again, they look really nice together. And then we always have, um, of course, a Harry Potter shelf, which is all the Harry Potter books, all of our Harry Potter loot crate stuff, all of our various, the illustrated copies, all that stuff. I, I do the same thing with format. It bothers me to no end that my copy of um, uh, Dance with the Dragons is um, a like the big paperback, whereas the rest of my... Game of Thrones books are hardback. Mm -hmm. It bothers me to no end. Speaking of Harry Potter, I did actually have all hardback copies of all of the books. And then one day, um, it was in my car, in a bag, like in a my work bag, and my car got broken into. And they took the work bag, including Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Hardbound copy. And... <laughs> if that person's out there, you're a jerk. And the... Part of the bag was recovered, like part of my, I had to go downtown to the police station um, in Cleveland and um, they recovered some of my stuff, but not the book. And so my, I also have a shelf where I have my Harry Potter books, um, including Snape's wand and then my Snape and Sirius Black uh, Funko Pops. But my copy of the first Harry Potter book is actually a paperback I bought in London. So I actually have Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, mm -hmm. but it is totally different style yeah. and it it does bug me and i have tried going to like i for a while i was really trying to find another copy um at used bookstores but they don't keep those like yeah. i mean they they go out as soon as they come in mm -hmm. and so yeah i have <clears throat> i also have a harry potter and the philosopher's stone because our co-worker emma brought me back the uh, Gryffindor house version of it and I was like thank you I nice. love you but you do realize now I have to buy the other six mm -hmm. in the same style I do want the Slytherin ones I yeah. will say that I do like the Slytherin ones we also have um, we have Snape's wand and we have the Elder Wand um, because we're also giant nerds in that situation mm -hmm. uh, we have all the horcruxes from the, the pins that mm -hmm. we get from the Harry Potter loot crate um and then so far I have all of the illustrated, I think, I think Prisoner of Azkaban was the one that came out this last year. I believe that They've is been correct. releasing one every September. Um, and then I have a new, the newest version of Sorcerer's Stone signed by Brian Selznick, who I got to meet at nice. BookCon. Um, do you have any, just like quickly, do you have a specific robot quitting a book. The only reason I bring this up is because we got so many hilarious versions of this. Like somebody at our office says that they'll give themselves to page 47 specifically. Someone else said four chapters. Someone else said they have to finish a book. I do not hold myself to finishing a book. There's too much, too many books out there, not enough time. I usually will, you know, I'm someone who binge reads a lot. Mm -hmm. And... I go by feeling. If I'm like, you know what? I haven't read this book in a couple of days. Like, I just haven't picked it up. It's time to return it to the library. Yeah. <laughs> and I did that um, just the other day. I was going through my all of my books in preparation for ALA. I'm trying to kind of figure out what am I going to read on the plane and all that stuff. Uh, and I was going through all of the books on um, that I have checked out on Libby. And I'm just like, I haven't read this book in a week. Why? 
let me it's and it's like a really big popular one i'm like i'm just gonna return it because i'll you know even when i would try pick it up and i'm like a paragraph and i'm like i don't really want to read this right now mm-hmm. and so i just return it so i don't i don't set any like hard and fast rule there's no hard and fast rule it's really just a feeling where i'm just like i'm really just not feeling this book and i just don't have time to read it now sometimes i will come back to books mm-hmm. but um and end up reading them and loving them but no there's no hard and fast rules it's just it's all feeling yeah me too we are this we are the same on that one i will quit a book whenever um and then the last one just because i thought this was interesting somebody talked about how they always have to travel with at least two books like do you have any specific random book rules for like for example mine if i always have i talk about this all the time i do do distance running and so i always have two audiobooks borrowed at any given time one that i know i'm going to enjoy that's either going to be like comedy or the harry potter books or something i've listened to before and one that i'm listening to currently and the reason being, if I'm listening to the first audiobook, and like it's one that I'm in, it's new to me, and I'm just not into it while I'm running, and I need something to pass the time, I'll go back to the other one. So I always have two audiobooks for that reason. Um, do you have anything like that where like you always need an ebook and a physical book when you're traveling? Or? I usually have. I've been listening to. All right. I have been listening to one specific podcast, which is Binge Mode, which is all about Harry Potter. So if you aren't listening to Binge Mode, <laughs> Harry Potter, you should because it's amazing. That's a shout out to another podcast. And uh, <laughs> just to kind of throw it out there, it's amazing. Anyway, yeah. I usually will have one audiobook, one ebook, and one physical book. Um, mostly because a lot of the arcs we get are physical. They sure are. And then within that, though, I will try to have one, at least one fiction and one nonfiction. I mean, you know, I have mm-hmm. both represented. Um, yeah, I do the I like having both a physical book and an ebook because I will either wake up really like I tend to wake up really early um and I don't you know or insomnia and I wake up at 3 in the morning and can't go back to sleep. Yeah, same. So the night mode as I talked about on my tips and tricks, the night mode um on ebooks is great and I don't have to worry about turning on the light to read uh, a physical book. So I tend to have that when I'm traveling I try to go all ebook, yeah. just because there's safe space. Safe space, but there is one physical arc I may bring with me um, to ALA. But when I travel, that was the whole thing. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. that's the whole thing with traveling. Yeah, you can take your ebooks with you, and you can sure have ebooks. can. Nice. Okay, so those are some of Jill and I's book rules. Um, there's you can find a million more, but I would love to hear other people's. I feel like this is something that everyone has a. I agree. Everyone has a stance on. So join our Viber community. Share us your book rules on, on Twitter and, and Instagram and all that jazz. Um, yeah. This wasn't so bad for making it up on the fly. No, I think we did a good job. Yeah. Proud of us. So Okay. Well, I hope you have a lovely trip. Um, Thank you. I'm excited. Um, we are booth. I'm going to get this wrong. 3715, I believe. That sounds right. Uh, so come stop by. And say hello if you're going to be there. Um, yes, 3715. Nice. You had it, so, it right. I did have it right. Um, so come visit. Say hi. I'll be there. In all sincerity, every show I go to now, a couple of people come up and say they're just the only reason they came by was because they listened to the show and they wanted to say hi. Just please always do that. It's so <laughs> yes, fun. Yes, please do. It's so much fun meeting listeners. Yeah. Um, 
and dorking out about books and all yes, that. Yes. So, so yeah, I'll be there all weekend cool. hanging out. Uh, I won't, you guys. My sister-in-law who I'm living with is getting a puppy on Sunday, so next week I'll have pup dates for everybody. I'm excited. So I'm happy you're traveling this time. I do not have any FOMO on this particular trip. Just I... You're going to have fun. It's going to be so hot. Yeah, but beignets. True. There will be beignets. Yeah. There will be beignets. Café du Mont. Mm-hmm. So French. I had to figure out when you When you're going to go. Yeah, I know. Okay. Because everyone's going to be going to that. That's true. Like, all of the librarians are going to want to be getting there. I have no idea how close it is to the convention, but if it's anywhere near it, you should go at lunch. Or just I'll, go at night. Maybe get a, a ooh, late night beignet. I could do some late night yeah. beignets. Nice. Um, okay. Anything else you can think of? I think that's everything. Cool. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed this. I would love your thoughts. Send us some feedback. But yeah, that's everything. Safe travels, Jill. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace. My name is Cindy Burnett, and each week I interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast, Thoughts from a Page. We talk spoiler-free about their books, so you can listen whether you have read the book or not. And then we delve into things that you most likely won't hear about anywhere else. The importance of the cover design, why they included various aspects of the story, personal details about both the books and the author's lives, and so much more. You can find the podcast on every major platform and learn more about it on my website, thoughtsfromapage.com. Thanks so much for checking it out.